Welcome back to My Kids Think I'm Cool But Podcast. I'm your host, Jackie. This is part two where my guest continues to share their journey while living abroad, from starting up a business, changing careers, or finding themselves in a different country. I hope this part two inspires you all to find your path in a foreign country. Listen, laugh, and enjoy these stories that we give you while living abroad. Hi, and welcome back to part two of Carrie Bloomfield's story about living in Denmark and also how how she came about writing a book about her life in Denmark. I really wanted to share this part, just a little bit about her book and also her journey on why she wrote it. And I think she really shares her opinion of living in Denmark we all have our own different opinions but also why she wrote it and it's it's interesting in how she followed through on writing the book and I think that's really great that she mentioned on our interview that you know she really just went on social media and said I'm gonna write this book without even writing a book and she knew that she had to be accountable for that, uh, what she says. And there was people following up. How's the book going and everything? Uh, and now she had to write it because she already mentioned it online. So it was really nice to hear that that's instead of just getting started with her book, she just said that she's going to do it. And that's how she promoted that she was doing it. So it was like the whole process of actually releasing the book but i'll stop talking about that uh, i will get into the interview because it, it's really interesting and how she, or what she shares and how she got her uh, book published and everything so i hope you guys enjoyed the interview when you moved to denmark what did you do before uh, you moved to denmark uh, what did you do in new zealand so in New Zealand, I um, I started my career working in event management. So I worked for a couple of different event management companies, organizing all types of different uh, corporate and public events. And then that, along the years, moved into more a people management role. So my last, uh, I, I worked at the Human Resources Institute of New Zealand for many years, and that kind of set me on a bit of a different path to more managing people, which is something that I think I'm good good at and that I enjoy. But when I came to Denmark, of course, I didn't have the language. So I had to do a bit of reinventing of myself, I guess. And it took me a bit of a while to, to work that out as well. But that led me down the path of writing more. Like I've always, I've always written, but until I moved to Denmark, I guess I didn't feel like I had a purpose to write or a story to tell. So moving to Denmark leads you to writing and but you did it before though in New Zealand but more of like a hobby right yeah more like a hobby because I had I had a full-time career it was easy to find work in New Zealand people knew me um, they knew what I could do uh, so I had a lot of different types of roles in New Zealand working from government to not-for-profit organizations to event management companies and writing was a small part of that. I was always the person that would be writing the e-newsletters. I was the person that would be writing difficult emails to to people when maybe they were upset or, or we hadn't performed what we said we were going to do. And I wrote a few articles for various magazines there uh, as well. And I really enjoyed it. But um, yeah, I, th I think my life was full with my career, my, my full-time job. So Did you think when you moved to Denmark, it, it would be easy to get back on your feet or find a job? Um, I thought it would be easier than what it is. I think unless you're an engineer or some other profession that's on the um, school shortage list, it's hard. Um, and again, everyone experiences something different, but I know for me, the skills or strengths that I was using in uh, New Zealand weren't that applicable here. So, and also when you first move somewhere, you don't have local work experience. If there's a different language involved, that's another challenge to overcome. So it's, uh, for me, it was, it was difficult to find work. It remains, you know, something that is challenging. And I see a lot of other internationals, um, also struggling with that. And again, I think this is something so good that we talk about and, and normalize that it is difficult 
to find work as an international for many of us. Some are lucky to fall on their feet. Some are engineers and probably have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But it is it is hard. So it's so important to try and hunt out the people that can help you through that process. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of internationals out there that, like you said, get a job like this. And then like any other person would struggle or even change career because, you know, if you're a doctor in New Zealand, your degree doesn't transfer over and you need to have the language and everything. And so I find that a lot of people, especially in the health industry, they, they're not willing to take the two years. They already took seven years of education. So they're like, I'll find something else or I'll freelance or I, I'll do something else. So it's not easy, especially with the language. Yeah, exactly. Um, when was the moment where you just kind of like, I'll just do something on my own. This is a, a really great way for me to, you know, write a, write a book. Or when did that moment when you decided like, I'm going to write, write a book about my life here in Denmark? Yeah, that was probably at the the four-year mark is when I realized that. So, yeah, it's not to give the wrong impression that I moved to Denmark and turned into an author and it was all, you know, unicorns and rainbows. It was, it was nothing like that whatsoever because I also have the pressure of my family reunification permit that I have to be employed for four years. And that can be self-employment, but when you first move somewhere, that's perhaps a bit harder route to take initially. So I had been sitting in a job for four years that I was perhaps underemployed in. I wasn't using my top skill set. And that suited me fine at that point in time because I had a young daughter, young child, and I was also going to language school for pretty much the first three years or had private lessons. So learning the language in a young child. So that suited that period of time. Um, and I'm incredibly thankful for that role. But we were back in New Zealand, uh, 2019, January 2019. And we were sitting on the, the plane about to leave New Zealand, had a great four weeks there. And as I was sitting on the plane, the words, you know, it's a really emotional time, particularly when you're from New Zealand, because that is not a destination you can just visit in the weekend. The reality is that most of us who live between Europe and New Zealand is at best, we get back every two years. It's a lot of money, a lot of time. Um, and if you go, you the minimum is really three weeks. So and more ideally, you'd want to be there for four to five weeks to try and you know get some normality there. So when I'm sitting on that plane, I know that it's going to be another at least two years. This was 2019. So I was also quite naive because I didn't realize the pandemic was coming up and that the New Zealand government was going to close the borders and make it pretty much impossible for New Zealanders living abroad to return home, even if you had an emergency. So I was sitting on that plane thinking about that it was going to be another two years. So I'm going from this really comfortable environment where I know the country, I know the language, I know my way around, and I'm heading back to my life in Denmark, which at that point wasn't flourishing. And the words make it count jumped into my head like so loudly, make it count, make it count. If you have to live in another country so far away from the country that I've grown up in, then I need to make it count. I need to turn these challenges into my unique advantage. So that was, I mean, at that point I was writing, I had a blog, Bilingual Backpack Baby. So I was doing a lot of writing. I was very active on social media. I had attracted um, and still do have a really nice group of people who resonated with uh, not only my story, but also my sense of humor. And that's all lovely and great and it's a great way to practice writing, but very much aware that wasn't long lasting. So social media is here today, gone tomorrow. And unless you're somebody who just thrives off going viral for no, for no reason, like what is the greatest purpose behind that? So I wanted to create something that was going to be here when I wasn't here. And I wanted to use my writing in a way that could also help others. So that was the moment that I knew I was going to write a book. And that was the, the beginning of setting myself that intention and also just knowing, like, I just knew I was going to do it. It was just such a strong, yeah, I guess, calling um, that this is what I needed to do. And that was, um, that was the beginning of Nothing Like a Dane being born. Yeah. And it, it's really nice that you were able to kind of like, okay, all the stuff that I'm going through, you can just 
write down and have someone else relate to it. Like if you lived in New Zealand, you would never have had that epiphany of writing exactly. a book, living in New Ze- a New Zealander living in New Zealand. It's like it will be like any other book. But this is kind of your point of view, your experience that you're sharing, and it takes a lot of courage and also, um, yeah, to share yourself because it's it's scary to share yourself to the public what you're going through those things uh because you you second guess yourself it's like is someone else going through this too so how, yeah. how did you know that to find the confidence to say like I, i'm gonna write this um because someone else is gonna have that m- moment too yeah i think when i first started writing um i was just concentrating on writing my story in the best way that i could so i wanted it to be a book with purpose i didn't want it to be another danish fluff story one of my traits is about keeping it real. So I'm not into clickbait or fancy headlines uh, just to get the the likes. So it's so important to me to be authentic and unique. So when I was in the writing process, that's what my focus was on was just being honest. And, and it does surprise me, I guess, now after people read the book, a comment that I often get is, wow, you were so honest. I'm like, well, of course I was. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make up stuff uh, in there. So I just concentrated on writing the story. And I think uh, at the end of the process, when we're getting into the editing phase, when I could see my publication date looming, um, then you start. I started to have some concerns there. How are people going to react to this? Because of course, we all experience things differently we all interpret them them differently and the book is my story and not everyone might resonate with it but overall again I just had this knowing that that I had to do that and I wanted to put it out there and for people to also enjoy it like it should be an enjoyable read I want people to laugh when they're reading it um but through humor I want them to also know particularly other internationals living here in Denmark that they're not alone. So they're not the only one finding it difficult uh, and challenging at times. So, and that's been a huge amount of feedback. I get a couple of emails or direct messages every week. And this is what people are saying to me, like, thank you so much for putting into words what I've been through. And I, I mean, I knew those people were out there, but perhaps I didn't realize how many of us mm-hmm. were out there. Yeah. I like the fact that you put in real case scenarios that you've been through because uh, I remember reading the first paragraph uh, about, you know, walking into the gym and you're just like, no one in New Zealand walks around naked. In New <laughs> like, it's not possible. And just, I always thought that was just me as an American or, you know, but I'm just like, oh my gosh. It, and it, I talked to more people about it and just like, yeah, that was also like eye opening for me when a group of women just having coffee in the gym and or you know in the locker room and just talking with took a lot of like me to just kind of like make my eyes a little bit smaller because I look very surprised like deer <laughs> headlights and it's funny is because I was taking my mom in uh the first time to the gym and I forgot to warn her because I've been living in Denmark for so long you know it's an everyday thing for me and I just remember my mom's mouth just dropped and I was like Oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. I forgot normal for all women to, or men to just around naked. Um, I've heard in Germany it's unisex. So. Oh, so it can get worse. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. We're not moving to Germany. Yeah. I had that moment in Germany where I thought I walked in the wrong locker room. And <laughs> the guy was like, no, no, you're in the right locker room. It's women and men that can walk around naked here. I was like, yeah, I'll be not coming to this gym again. <laughs> Yeah, and you know what? Like, it's it's great that some people find it empowering when they move here to Denmark to uh, find themselves in this situation. It's not something that I'm empowered by, and actually, it stopped my days of swimming in Denmark because I just can't handle the changing room. And it's not that I'm saying that it's wrong, um, but it's just simply not where I'm comfortable. So, when you come to this bigger picture of integration, like, where's that line? Because uh, if I'm not comfortable doing something, why should I do it? Why should I push myself through it? So that's something that I choose not to do. And I feel I don't need to prove myself. I'm old enough now. I don't need to prove myself to anybody. So if it's other people are empowered by that situation, if other people are used to it, that's great. It's not for me. Yeah. Um, but it is, 
also recently, just a few weeks ago, there was a story that came out of Australia. So not New Zealand, but Australia and New Zealand are somewhat similar in, in many respects. Um, and it was about a surf life-saving club, I think, a swimming club banning nudity in their changing rooms. So adults had had warnings that they couldn't be completely naked in the changing room when children were in there. And I just thought, whoa, now I'm offended on the other side because that is wrong too. What we're sending out as a message is that the human body isn't normal. So I, I found myself outraged on the other side of the nudity fence, funnily enough, yeah. um, with that. It's, it's gotten worse. You know, and I don't know if you've seen in the U.S., they had a teacher that showed a photo statue of like David because it had, you know, parts, uh, um, human parts, uh, men parts on there. His Dillaman. Yep, Dillaman <laughs> was on there. And the principal got fired for it. For I, allowing, I did read that, yeah. Allowing a photo of a statue in Europe uh, to, I don't know, third graders or something like that. And I like it. And then protested against it and now that person is uh, the principal is let go wow but I, I think about it I was like if I didn't live in Denmark where would I be on the fence there would I be like no 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 that's bad if I was still living in the US like I don't yeah. want my daughter to see Dilliman all over the place now living in Denmark you just see it's a normal thing in TV everywhere on on children's <laughs> TV obviously it's like and also at school um I don't know if it's the same for your daughter, but my daughter's school, when they do physical education, when they have their sports lessons, they are all showering together after that. So in communal showers. So it starts there. I'm not entirely sure it's necessary. I wouldn't want to do it again, but I can't let those opinions, um, I can't share those in front of my daughter because I don't want her to be colored by what I'm not comfortable with. But without me even saying anything, she does say that she doesn't enjoy it that much, but uh, it's the way that it's done and that's the way that everyone does it. So, Yeah, and I think that's how it's been culturally in, in Denmark. Like nakedness is not a big deal. I remember when I first uh, visited my husband, I was with his parents and he was uh, working and I was just staying with his parents. And then all of a sudden we were watching a TV show and it was just a bunch of men jumping in the lake and they were all naked and I was like, you're allowed to show Dylan here, <laughs> public TV lives around. Like I was my eyes and I got all uncomfortable. I'm, I'm with his parents and I'm looking at penises. Everywhere. Yeah. It's quite, it's quite the change. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that was the, my introduction of Denmark. Uh, nudity. Yeah. Yeah. Welcome to Denmark. Right. I got a, a little bit, we got a little bit off topic. On there. Yeah, we did. So when you decided to write your book and get it published, what was your steps really getting it out there to the public for people to know that you wrote your experience about Denmark? One of the earliest pieces of advice I got was that as I'm writing the book, I need to grow my social media following. So that when the book was finished, I had a ready-made audience there who already knew my style and that they would be there to purchase the first copies and be my first uh, group of cheerleaders, I guess, to take it even further. So I did, that was definitely part of my strategy as I was writing it. I was also trying to put out enough material on social media that was funny, entertaining, but also useful as well. So for the other internationals that are moving here in Denmark. So with my posts, that's the formula that I follow is that it should you know, be real. It should be offer a moment of humor in there, but it should actually have something that's helpful as well. So that was definitely part of my strategy. The other part of my strategy was holding myself publicly accountable. So right at the beginning of the process, I was a guest on another podcast and I stated my intention to the world that I was writing this book. And that was, that was right back at the beginning. I hadn't even written the first chapter, but by going out there and being public about it and then following up through social media, I was always giving updates of where I was in that process. That made sure that I keep going because for sure, when you tackle something like writing a book, it is really easy to give up. You know, like, oh, it's all too hard. Doesn't matter. I won't do it. I'll put it in the bottom drawer. 
like so many other people have done. So I, again, I, d- I didn't have a chance to stop doing it because I told the whole world that I was doing it. So I had to finish it, right? So th- those were a couple of key decisions to make sure that I, I follow through. But in terms of the actual process, the other thing that I knew I wanted to do was create a book or, or do it to the highest level I could. I really wanted to smack this out of the park. So that means investing in the process as well. So right at the beginning, I found an editor who helped me uh, come up with a, a bit of a plan for the book. So coming up with, you know, the, one of the first things she said was, you know, do a list of chapters. Where's this? How are you going to tell the story? So that gets you to focus on the structure of the book. So I did that and I wrote the first chapter and then sent it to her and she came back with all her feedback at that point. And that gave me enough confidence and knowledge because this is not something that I had done, but I had not written a book before this one. That gave me enough knowledge to go through with the process then and write the rest of the book and then check in with my editor at the end. So an editor is essential, I think. That And that is something that I invested in early on in the process and was with me there for the entire process there as well. And then once the the book was written, it's, you know, I shared it with a small group of my inner circle, I guess, to get their feedback on it as well. And also just to make sure that it's understood um, globally as well, because even between New Zealand and America, we have different expressions that we're maybe not aware of, don't translate to a, to another culture. So I used a lot of uh, peer feedback through that process too to try and best capture this experience of moving to another country and, and trying to find your place in it. That's really good that you used those different groups because I, thinking about it, like for me as an American, I would write something in an American way, thinking that everyone's going to understand it, but it could land wrong to some, from Absolutely. And I think the biggest lesson I learned is that uh, in New Zealand, if we're at a sports stadium, you know, there's this phenomenon of everybody standing up and it going around. So we call that the Mexican wave in New Zealand. I've never thought about where the name came from, but in America, it's just known as the wave. And I think in many other countries, it's known as the wave. And my American friend was horrified that I'd called it Mexican wave, thinking it was a racial slur. To me, it's not a racial slur at all. It's simply the name that I have been brought up knowing that that's what it was called. So that was a really good catch in the book to um, make sure I'm not accidentally offending people just because yeah, of what I'm calling something without realizing the rest of the world don't do that. So that was a great learning moment as well. Yeah, and I think we learn something every day when we're outside our comfort zone, outside our normal. It's like, I feel like I'm still learning, even though I've been living here for 10 years, I'm still learning how to live in Denmark. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, we're probably still learning, you know, you know, for, for this book, what I could do, what I could do better. And then I don't know if you're going to write your next one and like what you can do better for the next one. Yeah. And you know what? If we don't write our first book, we can't write our second book. So you have to draw the line under it somewhere and send it out into the world so that you can get on writing your second book. And then I've always had the argument that as much as I'm proud of my book and it's resonating with so many people from around the world, whether they be living in Denmark or not, I also hope it's not my best book because I hope there's more, even better books to come. So that's the exciting thing about being an author as well, is that you can always be working on a new project and your craft of writing gets better every time. Yeah, this one is just to start you off. Like like you said, this can be your best one, but you want a better one. And then it will yeah. keep growing as you go. Yeah, right. New ideas, new experiences, because now having new experiences because my daughter's in school, experience every day. Two weeks ago, I took her to school and it was holiday. I was like, learning moment, <laughs> learning moment. They don't have the same holidays as US as they do in Denmark. Yeah, yeah. Well, she must have been excited oh, to she realize she didn't have school. With, she looked at me with disappointment. Because mm. <laughs> okay. empty. I was like. You got the rolled eyes, the eye rolling first time. I got yeah. the rolled eyes. Yeah, yeah. That's quite like, common here in my house too. I feel like. <laughs> Now, since she's in school, that I'm like, it's going to be a learning moment every day now with her because it's a new homework that I won't understand ever. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. When, what was the biggest challenge for you writing the book along the way? 
I think um, procrastination and perfection, those are my two biggest enemies. So procrastination and I would do my writing in the evening. So I was working during the day and my writing time was from sort of seven o'clock in the evening until bedtime, whether that be 10, 11 o'clock, midnight. But of course you get distracted going down rabbit holes on social media. So this is part of the procrastination, sitting down to write, and then you get distracted all over the place. And then perfection too, this, this wanting the first draft to be the perfect draft. And everyone writes differently, but what I learned about my writing style is that I just need to get down the first shitty draft and then refine that and go through that and perfect that and and really get it a piece of writing that I'm proud of as well. So if I stopped to worry about trying to perfect everything, I probably wouldn't have, you know, done everything through there as well. But, you know, I think because I did go out publicly and tell everyone that I was going to do that, I feel like a lot of um, those that follow me on social media, um, certainly in the early days, have always been in my corner, you know, like they have really been my cheerleaders. I've used them to bounce ideas off often in my stories. If I wasn't sure of something like what does an American call a push chair? Is that a, do you understand what a buggy is? That's what we call them in New Zealand and Australia. So there was all these small things that they've helped me with so much, like trying to get this well-rounded language, right? My book is still very much a New Zealand perspective in terms of how I've experienced Denmark coming from a New Zealand background. But uh, there is definitely a lot of themes in there that have been felt by others. And by being able to talk to my followers and get their thoughts through the process, whether it be big or small, it's, um, I think, made yeah the book a lot stronger. But also it's pushed me along that process because people are saying to me, have asked me through it, how's the book going? When's it coming? So that motivates me that to know that other people believed in the book maybe before I even did as well. well. That's so great that you already found support without even lifting a pen yet. And I think that's what we talked about earlier, accountability, um, yeah. being authentic. You authentically said, I'm going to write a book. And you're like, I don't know if you, if, if you felt it. It's like, oh, crap, now I have to write the book. <laughs> totally, totally. Like, oh, shit. Shut your mouth, Carrie. Like, just shut it. <laughs> Now I committed. Now people know I committed. But I think that's how you start. Like once you start publicly announcing what you're going to do, people are going to ask about it. It's like, oh, how's the book? Where's the book going? And now you're like, okay, I already, I opened that. Now I got to do it. And you know what? I think that's one of the advantages that we have to remember when we move to another country. We can be anything. So growing up in New Zealand, uh, or even my life in New Zealand, people know me to be one thing. And maybe if in New Zealand I told people that I was going to write a book, they would have all nicely sort of smiled at me and went, "Uh uh-huh, sure, Carrie. But when you find yourself in a new environment, a new country, that's your opportunity to be anything you want to be. And I think that's what I also harnessed as well because I start to meet people, they start to learn about me in a different way than what those in New Zealand, uh, how they know me. So that was one of those challenges that I turned into an opportunity. The challenge of not knowing anyone is your opportunity to get to know everyone mm-hmm. and be anything that you want to. Yeah, That's so true. Like, because when I moved to Denmark, um, I, and like you said, there's a you know New Zealand carry and there's a uh, Denmark carry. It's like the same for me. There is a Jackie in Denmark, but in uh, Denmark I'm called Jacqueline. So like I was like, oh, I'm just in Denmark. I'm in Denmark. I'm just gonna have everyone call me Jacqueline. So it, I kind of yeah. like reinvented myself because I always wanted to go by Jacqueline, my real name. But I, I would never be able to for all my year, my friends and everyone. I would never be able to switch them to call me Jacqueline. So, but starting over in Denmark, so everyone's gonna call me Jacqueline. Yeah, yeah. Now's your chance. Yeah, right. <laughs> so th- that's really cool that you said that because you now you're right. Like when you move to a new country, it's it's hard and everything, but it's your opportunity to be the person that you want to be. Uh, be an author. Be a you know business owner be also because the education is free here so you can be a software engineer if you wanted to if you didn't have the opportunity in your home country because it's expensive so I, I like that saying 
Yeah. There you go. Yeah. If you think if you stayed in New Zealand, do you think you'd become an an author? Just keep being like a blog writer or did you always have this dream to be an author? I don't think I would have become an author if I'd stayed in New Zealand. So I have to uh I have to hold on to that and particularly on those harder than normal days here in Denmark I have that's definitely something to remind myself is that all these new opportunities are now coming my way because I have become an author I am an author I've you know nothing like a Dane is out there in the world and I'm getting the most wonderful emails from from people that have read it and that it resonates and who feel like they're seen for the first time on this process so and I love receiving those emails and Whenever you read a book, always, if you loved it, write to the author. They'd love to hear from you. Otherwise, it can be like a really black hole with your work out there and you're not sure who's talking about it or what people think of it or anything. So, no, I I wouldn't have been an author if I'd stayed in New Zealand, Denmark, uh, or moving to another country gave me the opportunity to do that. So I'm going to continue taking that to the next level and I hope everyone loves the the next book as much as they do nothing like a Dane. yes and then that one you're already you, now you professed it so you have to write the next book is that public accountability <laughs> right <laughs> I think with the with this one it will be more on what you experience but the next one will be is it like kind of a next step on uh, yeah it's sharing the, the seven year mark yeah it's sharing that next phase so um nothing like a dane which um <laughs> this one focuses more on that first year first couple of years when you're experiencing everything for the first time um and for me that was now seven years ago but now I find myself in this different phase where I start to realize that I'm not as New Zealand as I once was so I'm not Danish and I'm no longer as uh, New Zealand as, as I once was so these things like when this news story came out of Australia about um, them banning <laughs> adults being nude in a swimming changing room I start to feel myself uh, outraged on the other side, more towards the Danish uh, liberal approach to, to nudity uh, as well. And there's all these small things that you start finding yourself doing the Danish way, like wearing Yemisko, wearing schools, uh, wearing shoes in the house. Um, that's not typically how it's done in New Zealand. A lot of people would wear shoes in the house, uh, which would horrify Danes. We have houses with carpet in New Zealand. That would also horrify most Scandinavians as thinking that it's unhygienic. Yeah. Um, so the next book is, yeah, looking at around that five to seven year mark and all the new situations I find myself in. So the humor will still be there. It's, again, not pitching one country against the other. It's just being honest and real. And, you know, this is what happens when you've lived in another country for a bit more of time. Your, your, your thinking and your behaviors do start to change. And it's not to say that you're falling out of love with one country or more in love with one country. It's not a competition, you know. Like I keep saying to people, New Zealand and Denmark are both great countries, but neither is perfect. You know, we can always do things differently. We can always do things better. We should always be open to hearing about how other people are doing it. And we don't need to claim that we're world leading in, in anything. We're, we're all here to, um, to do the best that we can. And that's by listening to other people's experiences as well. Yeah, and I think that helps us grow when we learn about other experience um, and how other people do it. Um, when you were writing this, uh, who was your biggest inspiration and what gave you the motivation to just you know, take this journey um, as an author in, in Denmark? I don't know if I had a single person in mind. I mean, I, I had my, um, my group around me. Um, I, I had my very good friends, uh, Gina, Erin, and, and Katrina around me who gave me invaluable feedback and they were all writers in their, in their own um, in their own merit and, and content creators and, and artists. And they were ones who believed in me unconditionally, like on a very close level as I was writing this book that would offer me feedback, bounce ideas um, as well. But 
you know, I don't think I had, I don't, it's not that I had one person in my mind as being my inspiration for doing this. I think for me, the success was in believing in myself more than anybody else. So not letting, uh, as much as I've, I've had a great team of cheerleaders around me, I've also not let any negative thoughts affect me too. You know, you might get that look from someone uh, when you share your dream, whether it be writing a book or something else, and, and you might get that little look of, hmm, okay, sure, sure, you go and write a book, Kerry. And those moments can really affect you if you let them. Um, so that's why I always say you have to believe in yourself more than anybody else can, more than anybody else will. And by doing that, you can achieve whatever you want you set your heart to. Yeah, and I think the support that you created around you also helped when you questioned yourself a little bit correct um, we, we talked about it earlier that when I have that one doubt uh, then someone emails me ah th that was you know I can relate to that we, we need to be able to have that kind of validation that what we're doing is helping other people even though we don't see it physically but you know or a message or something or a friend just saying keep going you can do it. really helps you exactly external feedback is yeah. so important and and so great and so yeah I, I hope to people listening to your podcast whether it be this one or another one yeah absolutely connect and let you know that something's resonated with them I mean that's those are the magical moments huh yeah definitely and you know with your follow-up book I think you're also going to get more traction on that because there's a lot of internationals out there, immigrants, uh, expat that are now just in the middle. Like I am my culture, but now I have so many more other influences and we feel kind of stuck in the middle. When someone, when it's like when someone asks you, where are you from? Oh yeah, I'm from New Zealand, but I live here and lived here. And it's like a, a long story. You can't straight answer. It's not a, yeah, it's not a quick answer at no, all. Not anymore. <laughs> no, no. And it just, it, and then it, do you really want to take the time to explain it or you can just say I'm from New Zealand? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, but I, explanation. But you know, I, I think it's important that we also remember that finding our place in a new country is not, it's not a five minute job. It's not a one year process. It's not a three year process. It's a lifetime journey. So it's about us slowly becoming more comfortable in our environment, slowly finding the people that we resonate. We have to remind ourselves that we, we as humans don't resonate with everybody. We resonate with some more than we do others. And that's a process to try and find them. But I think, you know, if I'm still living in Denmark when I'm 60, 70, 80, I still think that's going to be a process. You know, things are always changing. The longer that you live away from your country too, things change at home. People die. So as we get to, uh, you know, the age that I am now, the reality is when I go back to New Zealand every two years, there's someone not there that was there before. That's hard. Yeah. You know, so these moments that we have uh, traveling back to New Zealand are very much defined, unfortunately, sometimes by death. Um, there's There's literally someone not sitting around the table that was that was there the last time and as you get older that's that's something new that we have to balance with our lives abroad yeah it is it's we're missing out we're sacrificing um something that we are so used to in our home country live abroad sometimes for me it's i choose to do it but it's like it's still kind of like heartbreaking it's like every time i get, i get on the plane back home uh, to go back to denmark um, I used to be so excited, but like I still am excited to go back home, my own space. But still, it's like you're leaving your friends and your family. It's people, you know, it's your friend. Your friendship's always there, but it's still, it's a little bit different. Yeah, and and maybe you also experience it every time you go back. Maybe your friends group gets a bit smaller as well. Yeah. Like over time. You're, you're, you may still be friends with them, but uh, life is busy, of course, and people back in your home country get on with their life. They can't just wait until you're, you're coming back. They need to fill their life with new friends as well. And, and so every time you go back, your circle of friends perhaps gets smaller. You, you just end up with the very core people who are your, un, your truly unconditional friends um, who would do yeah. anything and for you. And, lot, I, um, and a lot of people don't un understand that, uh, especially live out it, it took me some time that to understand that my my friend group is getting smaller and I always kind of like was upset about it it's like I came 
14 hours and you don't want to hang out with me like i i took it personal but now yeah everyone has their lives yeah i can't just come in one year out of the one day out of the year and expect them to change their whole schedule for me which i thought they would yeah yeah if if you've experienced that for you but for me i'm just like i'm here and no one's (laughs) rescheduling yeah but like it's a two-way thing right so i think it's okay that we're disappointed that that happens but then we get an understanding of why it's happening um but equally on the part of our friends in our home country I do appreciate those who also understand my time is limited in New Zealand and I I can't physically go around and visit every single friend or family member. It's just impossible. And if I was to do that, the trip would be completely um, unenjoyable because I'd just be running from one thing to another. So when I go back, I say, right, I'm going to be at this uh, pub or restaurant this time on this day and I would really love it if you could come. But if you can't, I understand that too. So I think it's great when your friends understand too that, you know, you can't drop everything and, and visit them individually as well. So sometimes you might not get to catch up and I appreciate the friends who understand that and don't give me a guilt trip, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's, it's balancing once you get home. It's like, yeah, is it really a vacation? Like sometimes I question myself, I'm like, is there really a vacation? Once <laughs> No, it's a different type of travel, right? It's not a holiday. It's a different type of travel. And I think, yeah, we we all experience that, particularly those of us that come from further away. If you live somewhere in Europe, if you live in Germany and Spain, it's, you know, it's a couple of hours flight, right? It's it's not quite the same. You get to go back more frequently there. But um, I think with my book too, as much as I hope it gives some support to other internationals living in Denmark or, or any other country, um, you know, trying to find their place in a new country for the long term too, because that's the other point of difference. It's not an expat book. It's not about going to another country for a couple of years. This is the story of how do you create a new life and how do you make it work so that you get the most out of it as well. Um, so as much as offering support to other people in that situation, I do hope and I do look forward to more Danes reading it as well because I think when it comes to integration at the moment, the focus is on teaching foreigners how things work in another country. It's um, teaching foreigners in Denmark how things work, what the values are of the country, what to put on your rye bread, uh, how birthdays are celebrated, etc., which is valuable knowledge, but I think the integration process could be so much better if more locals, if more Danes were aware of our viewpoint of what it is that we find different about living here in Denmark. Because again, unless you've lived abroad, unless you've lived in another country, you probably don't realize what it is that you do that other people find strange. I totally agree with that, especially with the revolt thing, because I've made many mistakes of making wrong decisions on what to put on top of revolt. And (laughs) Sometimes a Dane will say something kind of rude. It's like, why do you do that? I was like, is there, there's rules. Yeah. There's rules on what to put on bread. Like, I don't yeah. Know, put whatever like looks good. It's like, no. It's like those don't go together. I was like, well, they taste good together. <laughs> yeah, and why not? Why not? Let's challenge the thinking here a little bit, right? Kind of like a joke around the canteen because everyone's just putting random things, and then you know you see a Dane doing the proper things. I was like. Or you find a Dane shaking in the corner, like going, oh, what are they doing? What are they putting on their rye bread? These crazy foreigners. Yes. (laughs) And as foreigners, we feel judged. And then all of a sudden we're like, we don't want to eat anything. Exactly. You're making fun of me or is it a joke? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Then you're afraid to put something wrong on. And it's how you deliver the message, right? Like, So that information is useful, but... And it's the same, I think, for me with learning a language. There are some people that can beautifully correct me without me feeling stupid. And then there's other people who just make me feel like an idiot and like I don't want to speak any Danish because I'm being laughed at. So I think that is something we can all do better. Like as locals in whatever country we are, so whatever country people are listening to from in the world, just think about the experience of a foreigner. Just think about how they're viewing the world, because I don't think we do that often enough as locals. Yes, and it comes off criticizing more than helping. Yeah, 
and it just makes you want to be that tortoise retracting in your in your shell, not leaving your house, um, and and yeah, having a quiet cry in the corner. Yeah, until the next day, you're like, it's a new day. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I've had my happy drugs and I'm off. Yeah, right. Because <laughs> Denmark's the happiest country to live in. <laughs> yeah. So they so they say. Yeah. Um, for any internationals feeling out. Uh, you know, feeling lost out there, you know, like when you first moved here in Denmark. Um, I know your book will help, especially, you know, if they read it before they go in. But how about if there's someone that's there that already came in and, you know, didn't discover your book yet? What would you think, you know, your tip would be for anyone that's just feeling lost out there, feeling alone, like a lot, many people do, not just internationals, mm. but also mothers, you know? Once we have our kids going through, you know, the post postpartum and after having the kids and everything, what would your tips would be for them uh, feeling lost, especially, you know, looking for a job or anything? Yeah, there, um, you know, there are some things that I wish I knew. And I actually, I have a presentation on it. The things I wish I knew about Denmark before I moved to Denmark. So seven years, after living here for seven years, there are some things that if I could wind back the clock that I would do differently or that I really wish I'd known about since the first day that I'd lived here. And, you know, a couple of those things is language, um, you know, not accepting that all language teachers are equal. Uh, if, a, if a teaching style doesn't suit you, then look for another option there um and maybe i'll um i have found a fantastic private teacher and she's super helpful and generous with her her teachings and she has a really great instagram account so maybe i'll i'll share that link with you later and you can put it in the show notes or 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 whatever somewhere because um yeah she's, she's just a lovely person and a brilliant teacher so that's one thing when you're learning the language and particularly if like me you hadn't learnt a language before just understand that everyone learns languages differently and if you're not resonating with a teacher go find another one um and then when it comes to the job market i have re- only recently actually connected with another company called english job denmark so go and google um that company leslie is fantastic and she offers 10 15 minute sessions to kind of get you started because you know, I remember everyone saying to me, it's different in Denmark, it's different, it's different. But again, coming from New Zealand, I couldn't see anything too different other than it all comes down to network. So people would just said, you know, everyone finds a job on LinkedIn. So that's where I spent most of my time. But if you don't know anyone in Denmark, you're not following the right accounts. Like, <laughs> again, it's a big, horrible black hole. Um, so try and hunt out those accounts, you know, use some hashtags to try and find the relevant, you know, expand in, in Denmark or new in Denmark and try and get some appropriate organizations here on, on your feed to to um, to follow and to start connecting you with like-minded people there. But yeah, overall, accept that it's not going to be rainbows and sunshine every day and that's okay. You're going to have your ups and downs and, and just keep, going yeah Yeah. and i understand about the rainbows and sunshine i had my honeymoon period and that went quickly out the window (laughs) (laughs) it was not rainbows and sunshine and that honeymoon period and it's reality those are really great tips on the you know finding finding jobs and just getting your foot yeah settled in in denmark keep going and don't don't give up yeah and I think like social media is for good and bad that you can find some brilliant people to follow that can give you so many helpful little pointers about how things work in, in social media. But also there's some really unhelpful accounts or pages or comments out there. And, you know, you have your classic expats, uh, Facebook type group pages, and you can get really good value out of that, but there can be some really unhelpful comments on there and it can affect your mood. And I used to spend way too much time um, on some of these pages. And then you start to think you're the odd one because everyone else has found it easy to find a job. So don't judge yourself against other people and, and just remember what you see on social media is never the full story. No, never. <laughs> no. It's just gaslighting everything. Yeah, it's either gaslighting or it's just a slice of life. Yeah, just a little part of uh, what people are going through. 
before uh, we wrap everything up, I just want to ask you, you know, what's your favorite part on your book that you think that everyone will get, you know, a kick out of or can really, really benefit? I know the whole book is probably just everyone's life, but one part that you kind of like, this is, you enjoyed writing and it's just going to resonate with everyone. Yeah, that's a really hard one. Um, I'd like to think that people will resonate with a lot of it, if not most of it, all of it in there. Um, but there is, there's a line in the book, and when I'm talking about integration, because again, when you move here, particularly as a non-EU, integration is a word that is used so much, and it's in the media so much, about the importance of foreigners integrating and it can become really tiresome to hear this over and over again. And I started to feel like, and I, okay, I haven't got the actual, the complete line here, but it's integration begins feeling like a whitewashing of my past. So integration in Denmark can feel like a whitewashing of my, of my past. That this, I felt like it was this expectation that after a 24-hour plane ride, that I should get off the plane in Copenhagen and start doing everything the Danish way. Oh, yeah. And if I start doing that, then I'm no longer the person that I am. Like, I'm always going to be a New Zealander living in Denmark, and that's okay. So whatever country you come from, that is okay. Of course, I'm living in another country, and I'm thankful for that um, opportunity, and I will make and create the best life that I can and add value to people in every way that I can as well. But I'm still going to do some of these things my own way. So I hope uh, others, I hope the locals can also learn from that as well. So I'd just like to get that balance a bit better with integration, more of a two-way street and not yeah. just this one-way street, which it feels, the messaging feels very much like as well. So it's maybe not the funniest moment in the book, but I think it is a really clarifying thought that I'm glad that I included in the book. And I know speaking to others, it's also resonated with them. Yeah, I think um, with integration, it, it's such a sensitive topic. Yeah. Just overall. So it, it's really nice you mentioned it on the book so people are prepared and kind of understand it. And also um, that they're not alone, that they're like kind of shoving Danish culture to everyone and not considering where that person came from. Exactly. We've all got a backstory, yeah. right? Yeah. So I also felt like no one was interested in my backstory. They just... You know, you get off that plane and no one's interested in your past. They just want to know about your future. So just remember that every foreigner has a backstory as well. And I come from a privileged position. I'm, you know, I haven't had to leave my country because of war or something else mm -hmm. um, like that. I, I recognize I'm privileged in that position, but I still do come with a backstory. And to be my best self in Denmark, I need people to allow me to still be a New Zealander in Denmark. Yes. And, and that's who you are. That's that person. That yeah. Very. Yeah. Like those first few years here in Denmark were so muddied because I was just so focused on doing things the Danish way, like learning the Danish way, thinking I had to do everything the Danish way, learning the language that I completely lost who I was in those first few years. You know, it's not till after the three-year mark that I start to get confidence. That's when I started to write my book. That's when I started to get more, a bit more enjoyment in my life because up until then it was really just jumping through hoops, trying to find a job, um, going to language school, which I found soul-destroying for me because I was not at the right school with the right teachers. Yeah, and, and you can breathe a little bit. It's like Oh, yes, breathing. Yes. Oh, yeah, that is the feeling. When you can start breathing, yeah. Yeah, and understand Danish and not feel lost or anything. I, and that moment feels so liberating in a way. That's like I found my people, I found my way, and it's yeah. It takes work to get there, but it's it's a really good feeling to just kind of slap out, <laughs> relax. Yeah. <finally. laughs> yeah. Until the next thing comes along. Yes, right. But that's life, right? That's life. That's a journey. It's full yeah. of ups and downs. Yeah. For any of the audience that want to get your book, purchase it, could you mention to them where they can get it? Um, you know, now I know you have it in audio because we were talking about it while you were recording. So where yeah. would the audience can get it um, and get their hands on it, either yeah. physically or order it online? Yeah, so there's, um, you can get the 
it's in physical format, paperback, also an ebook and an audiobook that's just been released. If you're in Denmark, please go to your local bookshop and they will be able to order it in for you. That's the best way for me to be able to get more people to know about it is by getting the bookstores to order it in. There's also a special uh, Denmark print edition, so you can only get that in your local bookshops. So, um, or buying buying online from one of the Danish bookstores like Bowen ED, um, but also hunt out your local little bookshop too because it's always nice to support the local ones. Also in New Zealand, if you're listening from New Zealand, then the best place to get it is also at your local bookshop. There's a New Zealand print edition as well. For anyone else in the world, you'll find it on all the major book platforms. So it's on Apple Books, it's on um, Kindle, it's on Amazon. Um, you're unfortunately not going to get the nicest print edition on Amazon, um, but that is where you can get the the paperback and also download the audiobook. So whatever platform you're currently getting your books from, you'll be able to find it there. And also reach out to Carrie if you, you know, any of these experiences that she has, you know, resonate with you because it's always nice to hear that, like, you know, all of us are also going through it. And, you know, it, it gets her to, keep writing uh, because right now her her daughter is in school age and I'm pretty sure she's going to go through lots of more experiences. I'm actually changing my podcast name when my kids are teenagers to my kids don't think I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> well, you might have to change it earlier. Yeah, like... I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so I know we're all going through stages, you know, in parenting our way of life in Denmark and it just it's nice to hear from, you know, the audience on you know, what you're going through because it, it keeps us going on, you know, either podcasting or writing more books. And I'm, I look forward. Do you know when your next book will be coming out? No. no. <laughs> a year from now. Because it's one year anniversary, right? Uh, today, yeah, today's one year of the book being out there. So um, in uh, being published in New Zealand one year ago today. So this time last year, I was having a launch party in my hometown, Wellington, New Zealand. Yeah. So it's, it's a big day and now you've announced your second one so we expect that one <laughs> yeah <laughs> and lastly um i always ask all my guests um you've actually mentioned it earlier when you had your uh, babies like where am i going to change them what's the best place to take kids um can you mention one of your some of your favorite places in copenhagen or anywhere and even in new zealand to take your daughter to because, you know, when we go to a new country, we, we don't know our surrounding. We don't know where to take our kids. Uh, yeah. wh wh where would you suggest, you know, or any tips on to take kids to Copenhagen or even in, in New Zealand? Like, what, what would you say, you know, your top three places yeah. to take your daughter to? It's kind of two levels here because there's in Denmark, there's two places which my daughter absolutely adores visiting. Um, and that is Lego House hmm. and the Experimentarium here in Copenhagen, which is a science museum. So she adores both of those. But they're, they're your kind of your big ticket price. You're not doing that every week. Um, but they are if you get the opportunity to take your children there. The fantastic places but on a more regional level I guess here in Copenhagen some of the tricks that I learned in that first year is first of all playgrounds are amazing in Copenhagen and some of them are manned which means they have staff there that help with some activities so hunt down there's a really good map a really good brochure on the Copenhagen commune website so hunt that one down to find out all the playgrounds in your local neighborhood and then also, the the last thing is, if your children are very young, one of the best tips I got from actually a stranger in the library one day was that the local church run baby groups. So it might be called, oh, I forget the Danish name, baby song, like baby songs, or uh, yeah, okay. I forget. Uh, yeah, I forget what the, the what it was actually called at our local church, but in the mornings they'll offer a session where there's kind of a play group, there's coffee um, and some some songs for the kids as well. And through that, I actually found one of my good friends um, that I'm still a friend with as well. So yeah, hunt that down, look in the local newspapers or just ask around to try and find those ones. That's actually really good because I would have never thought that, you know, the local churches yeah and again you don't have to be a member of the church it's, it's not about it's for the moms yeah 
it's um it's about creating yeah the community and for, um, for the parents so don't be scared off if you're not religious or you're not a member of that church it's not about that at all like most things in Denmark when it comes to religion everyone's paying their church taxes but they're not necessarily religious so no <laughs> that's how they go to church they just pay their tax yeah yeah well thank you so much for sharing your insight on you know your journey of parenthood starting your book and also with the places that you've brought your kids or any any tips in that um I know we could probably talk more but we've been talking for almost an hour now (laughs) is there any last words you want to tell the audience uh before we sign off just to keep going like it's not it's not easy some days living in Denmark or another country but you will get there and if you're feeling down then just do your best to reach out or get out of the house and can be as simple as going for a walk just get that fresh air and change the scenery yeah that's really good it's just getting out even though in bad weather (laughs) go out there and get fresh air (laughs) that's right all about the fresh air yeah I've learned that (laughs) moving here thank you so much for sharing everything and if uh, you the listeners want to follow carry on uh, Facebook and also uh, you're mostly on Instagram right yeah 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 mostly in Instagram, uh, give her a follow. I'll have all the links and also I'll have her links on the Amazon, any of the links that you have your books sold on. I'll also have it on the uh, webpage so you guys can easily click on it and purchase uh, Carrie's book um, either here in Denmark, New Zealand. It seems like it's global, so there's uh, no problem. You can get hold of it any country in the world. So, so thank you so much for uh, sharing your story with us. Thanks so much for having me. How'd you guys think about that interview? It was really great and it was really nice to hear that when her epiphany of starting or writing this book was when she was flying home from New Zealand. It was like, wow, I need to do something. And um, the book was kind of like that moment where she's like, okay, I'm going to do something and I'm going to do it now. And she... Uh, went off the plane and just started to think about this book it wasn't easy or anything but it was it came from an idea and with the support around her she was able to launch it a year ago actually from today so that's actually it's her one year and this is like a whole series of books Uh, also with the feedback that you guys um you know her audience is actually sending her it gives her even more fuel to the uh, fire to actually just write more books because this book is resonating with so many people even to myself as you can hear on the interview Um, and one thing I actually um, really really like that we talked about is that we can be anything like especially when we move to a new country like we can we can be anything um it's kind of like starting over like you already kind of had an identity in your home country but when you move to a new country you can kind of either be the same person or be uh be something else and you're free to do that because no one knows who you are you're new to the country you're you know you're trying to get on your feet and it's an opportunity to actually be anything you want and that actually really resonates to me because like i said on the interview in california i'm jackie and in denmark i'm actually i like to be called jacqueline just because i was like oh i want to reinvent myself so i thought that was really really cool to think that way when you move abroad or when you're feeling like you have to start over it's like you can kind of reinvent yourself there's so many good things that we talked about and i'm really happy that you the listeners is able to um, still listen to my podcast and also you know i love sharing people's life here on my podcast and i'm so grateful that carrie bloomfield thank you carrie for sharing your life about living in denmark and your journey of writing this book and i look forward to many more books uh, from you because it seems like we both have uh, we we do have the same age um, daughters so we kind of will kind of go through the same culture stocks as our kids um, grow up and we experience the same like aha moments like oh my gosh like 
I don't understand what my daughter is going through because it's a cultural thing because our culture is different. So I'm really happy that uh, Carrie was part of this podcast and I hope you listeners will get her book. All the links are on my website and I also make sure that the links are on my um social media handles too so i i really want to push and if you know anyone just moving to denmark or curious about you know how it is living in denmark please share uh carrie's book with them because it it, it really describes what we go through as internationals here in denmark So thank you all for listening and don't forget to follow us on social media. Uh, email us um, any ideas you want to hear or, you know, if there's anything that you want to email Carrie or reach out to her on social media about her book. Uh, she loves getting those and I also do too. So thank you all for listening and we'll, we'll um, I'll be releasing another podcast um, next month. So have a good month, everyone. Bye. Thank you.